All right, well, the title of the message this morning that we're hoping and praying for a miracle is going to be brief. Uh, <clears throat> is trying to answer the question, so what are we doing here? Right? You're in a church, you attend. Well, what are we doing, Lakeview Christian Center? Um, uh, we've got a little catchphrase that we throw around. You'll see it hanging on stuff, on things that we promote. But I, I am not an apologist for church slogans. Uh, I think church slogans are way overvalued. Little pithy statements that end up leaving out a lot of important stuff while they're trying to say something catchy and memorable. So very limited to be able to stand up and say, hey, Lakeview Christian Center, growing together for the glory of God. But that would be our catchphrase that absorbs in it quite a bit of what we believe about our mission, but it's not big enough to explain everything, right? But I do want to pull on it a little bit. There's just a couple of little phrases in there that are weighty, right? So you've got the glory of God for the glory of God. The reason that we're doing it, I mean, I tell you what exactly we're doing, but the reason we're doing anything that we're doing is the same reason for which every one of us has been created for the glory of God. God has chosen vehicles and settings and vessels through which to magnify his own character and nature into his creation. Everything answers to that. What we do as a church, what you're about as an individual, whether you like your current storyline or not, is, it, is your life steering towards easy things or really hard things? Is it steering towards wonderful reward or challenging suffering? How I feel about that needs to incorporate it is all for the glory of God. So if my life is hard right now, it's for the glory of God. Hard. Right, so that's how we interpret all that we do. That word together advertises the fact that the, the, the scriptures speak of a collection of God's people, a nation in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament. And though the good of Christianity comes to us individually, it gathers us together. Right, so here's what we're not. We're, we're, we're not Lakeview Christian Center podcast, although you could probably pick up our stuff online. Um, we're not a radio station broadcasting stuff. We're, we're not a social media platform where we just stick some stuff out there. And whoever's out there who would like to read it and interact with it, cool, go ahead and do that. No, no, we are together in the sense that the, the Bible describes the body of Christ as an illustration of how we are together. Members and their fingers and hands and elbows functioning and connecting with one another. Nobody can be a part of the body and be detached from the body. Right? So our current world that we live in, that it's getting more and more distant from the together piece, it, it just cannot function that way. Part of our vision for what are we doing? Well, we're being together. That's part of what we're doing. But the last word, that first word there in the growing together is what I want to land in this morning. We are growing, and I'm not sure what that word sounds like and how you would use it, but I, I think we intend for it to be used in, in both directions of quantitative growth and qualitative growth. We are growing at Lakeview Christian Center. Quantitatively, yes. 
Because there is a sense in which the Bible mandates the disciples of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. That's a quantitative thing. Somebody's going to hear the gospel and respond and become part of the kingdom, be added to the kingdom. The Bible describes that. They were adding day by day, more and more were added to the church in Acts chapter 2. So we should be quantitatively growing. But I think much of what we design the church for is qualitative growth. Because qualitative growth produces quantitative growth. But how many of you guys know you can grow a building and you can grow a church and you can grow a gathering and the quality not grow? I think churches make a massive mistake when they're aiming at quantitative growth. We just want to be big. We just want to add a lot of people. We want to be expanding. We want to have multiple campuses. And the, and the quantity is more what they're after. If you stop paying attention to the quality, you may have big numbers, but you may not like the quality of what's going on there. And so I want to talk to us today about qualitative growth. And that sits in the category of, of sanctification. Right, let me give you two passages that we'll interact with. One explains the qualitative emphasis in Scripture. The other explains the strategy of God for getting us there. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, would answer in a particular way the question, so Lakeview Christensen, what are we doing again? 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is... The Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Right? And by the way, wherever two or more of you gather together in my name, there I am in your midst. Right? So what we're talking about in this passage is here. The Spirit is here. And where the Spirit is, there's freedom at work. And we all with unveiled face. And we've been talking a lot about the devil and about blinding and not being able to see and the veil that's over us. Okay, with unveiled, God removing, letting us see something. With unveiled face, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. And we are being ongoing, continuous, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what are we, what are we doing? Well, we, we are hoping to live in the description in that passage. We are being transformed. We are ongoingly being transformed. 2022 was a year where certain types of transformation hopefully was happening in, in each one of us. And, and what should be a, a review, a, a grace-driven, Holy Spirit-informed review, is I should be aware, am I being transformed? At the close of 2022, as we start a new year, we're into the, already pretty far into this year, did I experience transformation in my life? No, no, listen, it's transformation, and it's from one degree of glory to another. So nobody needs to try to answer that by saying, have I arrived? Am I perfect? Are there no issues that I struggle with? No, no one, as a matter of fact, if you answer it that way, we would want a counseling meeting with you because you're not seeing a lot of things correctly. Right, this is holding out the normative aspect that 
My life last year was under the influence of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God, and, and God's goal was one degree of glory to another. How did I do? Did I take a step last year? Did you take a step? Just another degree of glory. And then, and then after that, another one. And then after that, a, another one. So the church is filled with people who never arrive. There's not a one of us here who's arrived. We're still on our way, and we're still all in process. And how important it is to know that about yourself and each other, and how important is it to know that some of that comes with blood and sweat and tears. Some of it comes with heartache and difficulty. And and as you go to put on truth and be led by the Holy Spirit, you might shed some blood. You might sweat. You might be frustrated and encounter real difficulty. And that's normal. And if you're aware of that, you might live in a community where you're a wonderful help to encourage others because you know what it is to live in the trenches of transformation. So we're growing, growing together for the glory of God. What do we mean by that growing? We're getting larger. We've got more people here. But we do mean that. But, but we mean this. We mean transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and that would be, I think I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure I speak for all the other elders and leaders of our church. That would be our primary passion in growing. We, we want to add to the kingdom of God? Absolutely. And we're grateful that we do. I'm grateful for the evangelistic efforts that we have and the fruit that God has brought from it. I'm grateful that the church is in the condition that it's in. Grateful for that. Um, you know, we try to work through these settings and present information that I know is, is foreign to a lot of folks. So just a moment, you know, we'll unpack in just a second, just kind of what kind of attendance we have as a church and what kind of finances we have as a church. And I'm not sure what you'll know to do with any of that. Um, I, I will just, I'll just, I'll just throw a, a, a number just so you have an idea about how do we learn to do church, the sort of church that we are. There's size, there's activity, there's leadership dimensions, et cetera, in a church that gets to be this size. So as a reference point, the number of people that participate in this particular church and the number of finances, those are about the only two measurable things that people can work with out there, would put us in a, in a position amongst other churches that there's only about 4 or 5% of churches that have more people and finances to manage than we do. So I say that in the, in, on the one hand, aren't we grateful that God has given us people to reach and care for? Absolutely. That there are people sitting in here today that by God's design, he has been gracious to say, here, care for this one and lead that one and bring truth to this one. And God continues to do that. And we're so grateful, but, but I want to hear that as a pastor and all the elders want to hear that. But each of us need to hear when God adds to us, it's, it's an everybody thing. We're all part of caring for those people. Um, but let me just give you a couple of examples, just priorities in growing here. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is at work, things move and become more than what they used to be. So uh, we're on a mission to experience greater faith. One degree of faith to another in our lives, in each of our lives. Things that we are fighting to believe in faith this year at a greater level and with greater impact. 
faith overcoming things like anxieties and fears. I want to be able to say in 2023, my anxieties live at a lesser level because they're being outdone by the freedom that the Spirit works in faith in our midst. I want to be able to say that. I'm after that. And I want, to, I want to be in a setting where those things can be flourishing. Freedom, freedom, real freedom among us. Now listen, ultimate freedom awaits us in glorified bodies in heaven. But incrementally increasing freedom is what God has designed for this place. So maybe sin has shown up in, in our lives in particular colors and expressions. And, and we battle with that as we do life. But God would desire increasing freedom this year over last year and even in more freedom coming. So we should never surrender to the inevitableness that, man, I'm so tired of fighting this battle. Uh, understand, understand. I've got battles I'm tired of as well, but I believe that God has ever increasing freedom in store for me. So I just want to take one more step into the freedom category where that thing has a little bit less influence in my, that's what we're doing here. Holiness, an ability to receive the, the wonderful revelation of what God says everything is about. How's that for a definition of holiness? As opposed to settling for the, what the world says everything is about. We want to grow in our holiness. We want to come more and more and more into agreement with God about who he is and what he says is good. What's the good life? Well, man, there's a lot of advertisement out there. But I want to believe what God says. And I just want that to increase a little bit at a time. My, my sense of loyalty. My, am, am I loyal to me all throughout my life? The one thing you'd have bumped into is that dude's loyal to himself. His interests are always primarily his interests. And, you know, maybe everybody else gets a little bit of a mention. But no, no, no. He's loyal to himself. I... I want to I live in the shadow of the John the Baptist. He must, he must increase. I must decrease. My loyalties to me are decreasing every day. And my passion for him is increasing every day. Worship, we talked about worship here this year. Treasuring Christ, growing in our delight. Can I, can I say, as we move along, I'll say this in principle because I don't think it's true in practice. Um, our worship should get louder and more passionate the longer we're in Christ. So that's an incremental increase. That's just continuing to be transformed because beholding his glory. Remember, when, when I get quiet and I'm not animated and I'm not affected and, and whatever I am, whatever I'm capable, maybe you're not a person who cries a lot. Okay, so you're probably not going to cry much. Maybe you're a person who's loud and celebratory. Well, you, then you want to be that in here because if I behold something glorious, it's valuable. It's amazing. It captures me. Man, I can't help but respond to it. That ought to be increasing. So if, hey, Lakeview Christian Center, what are you doing? Well, we're trying to be more bananas for Jesus than we ever have in our lives. And not because of some faulty little pep rally enthusiasm, because we've actually seen something of the glory of this God, and we are undone by it. And we are affected by it. And we sing about it. We celebrate it together. We bump one another and encourage one another to go on in those things, right? That's, that's what this transformation, we are growing together for the glory of God. Paul Tripp's written a book a year and a half ago, maybe. Do you believe? He says, as is true with every book I write, I write what I need. 
knowing that if I need it, then others do too. I wrote this book to awaken us out of our street-level theological thoughtlessness. I wrote to narrow that troublesome gap between what we say we believe and how we actually live. Without ever intending to do to many of us live theologically contradictory lives. I confess that there are still gaps between what I profess to believe in my life and how I live in given moments. If you don't want to just stick an asterisk at the foot of every message you ever hear me preach from this pulpit, that would be true of me as well. Right? I, I, I'm called to preach the word, but there's a gap, and that gap bothers me, and, and I want to close the gap in my own life. My prayer to God is that God would open our eyes to those gaps and that he will use this book to help us understand more clearly what it looks like to live out what God has declared and we have affirmed to be true. I would, I would say what his goal is as an author of a book uh, would be our goal as elders of a local church. We would like to close the gap. We would like to do whatever we can in designing and setting up ministry and teaching and affecting people's lives so that the gap is being closed more and more and more. The gap between what we say we believe and what we actually experience. The gap is normal. We're not in heaven, but we'd like to close the gap. We are growing together. All right, so how do you do all this? Ephesians chapter four is a manual, if you will, It is something every church should answer to these verses. They should answer to many verses, obviously, but they should answer strategically to these verses. And I'm going to highlight just a couple things quickly out of it. Ephesians 4, verse 10. Here's a strategy, God-given. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Why did he give them? It's a strategy to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, for growing the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain, right? We haven't attained yet. We're on our way. Church is in process. All of us are growing until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So a big thing about what we're doing at Mission Reminder Sunday is to remind all of us about the importance of our unity. It's part of the strategy. In a world that doesn't really care whether you're unified with anybody, it just cares whether you're getting what you want out of the life that you're living. The Bible turns around and says, hey, unity is a priority. Till we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, right? Those are growing words, aren't they? Those are process words. Those are maturing things. We are maturing. We're moving and growing and becoming something more than what we used to be. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, right? So there's, 
There's an awareness. There's an enemy out there. There's hostility out there. There's protection that's needed. There's a setting where that protection is being offered. It's an Ephesians 4 setting. It's the church where God has put some things in place. I would say this, I especially say this to anybody watching who is too distant from the church. You are in danger. You are not designed to self-protect. You're not designed for it. You're designed to need other things, the work of the Spirit among you in a setting called the local church for the sake of protection. And the person who doesn't think they need that has already given away how deception is at work because you've given up on the thing that God says was critical. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, right? Again, process, transformation, growing in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Listen, if you've never sat down and made yourself at home with that verse, I hope you'll take this outline with you and and write the word strategy over it so that you can listen to like a coach sit down and this is how our game plan works. This is the kind of stuff that needs to go on in this setting. So there need to be identified leaders who function. So, but, but from leaders all the way down to every individual person working properly. So it's everybody is in this verse, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, why is building itself up so important? Because that protects. Because it's the goal of God to transform us from one degree of glory to another, to mature us. Hey, what are we doing here? Well, we're trying to see more of the image of God through us than we've ever seen before. Can you hold on to that? Because I know sometimes what are we doing here is looking to get answered by soup kitchens and Bible studies. And no, 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 that's, that's the thing, that's the tools that we use. What are we after? We're, we're after the image of God being restored, the glory of God being seen in individual vessels and in a collection of people. That's, well, what are you doing here? We're bringing the image of the glory of God into this setting in increasing measure day after day after day. How are you going to do that? Well, there's a little bit of hints in this passage. That involves every one of us, whether, whether you're leading the church or whether you're a member of the body, every one of us is summoned to this passage to be personally growing and to be helping others, speaking the truth in love to one another. So these are our, these are our priorities. This is the methodology that God has put in place for the sake of his purpose among us. Now, I'm going to make one particular highlight here because there's a lot of things we do. We'll run through some things today to try and make sense of it because we recognize not everybody here is in any, in all the categories of ministry that we do. So we just want to introduce some things to you today. But uh, I put this in your outline and I've intentionally made it sound a little bit overstated. The glory of man has replaced the glory of God in our lifetime. 
Anybody should have the parentheses in their brain right now going, wait, Keith, that happened in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) That didn't just happen in our lifetime. Yeah, but I want to catch your attention by saying, wow, it's off the leash now. Crazy off the leash. The glory of man replacing the glory of God. There are powerful shifts in life philosophies occurring all around us. And what I think it's, it's forcing the church to take a more careful look at is the effectiveness of our discipleship, the effectiveness of it. And that's a partnership. That's, that's things being offered by the church and things being received. And so when we talk about our mission today, uh, we are in concerning times. We are watching young people in particular get inundated with a volume of ideas like you and I have never seen before. The ability to discern what is truth and what is not is more critical. That word discernment needs to return to our vocabulary. We entertain information. We interact with information. We hear information. We observe information. We post information. We do not do necessarily a very good job of discerning that information whether it is confusing people by reinforcing bad, ungodly, unbiblical ideas on social media gets a thumbs up from me when it should never get a thumbs up. And our young people are watching bad discipleship. This is a community. You sit across the row from somebody and there's an idea out there that's reinforcing a worldly idea, not the truth of God, not celebrating the things that God has said, But you go to church with that person and they're all for it. And you start wondering if you should be for it. You start wondering, hey, well, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it sounds a little off, but I guess it's okay. That's an everybody thing. That's not just a pulpit thing. That's not just to make sure the guy who's preaching is doing an accurate job. That's an everybody thing. You understand if you preach one thing and then all of us turn around and Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Things that undo everything that's being said from the pulpit. As a community, we're fighting each other. So we we need to strengthen some discipleship elements. So you're going to hear some of our planning in these categories. You know, we've thrown out a concept called dinner and discipleship uh, that we're seeking to stand up. It really sits under a bigger umbrella just of discipleship, of settings that we recognize we need to create that particularly teach in areas that the church needs strengthening in. That, that's not necessarily pulpit Sunday morning type uh, content. That's coming, right? We're, we're seeking to do more and more of that. We're seeking to find ways to do more and more of that. So you're going to hear us start to advertise. In, in May, there's going to be a dinner and discipleship series that you can be a part of. Uh, it's going to begin to traffic in multiple categories. We, we want to address the practical areas of life. So this dinner discipleship will offer help for marriages. But in the future, we want to offer help in parenting categories and other practical dimensions, apologetics categories. But we also want to equip in a category that, that you may not value enough. It's in why you believe what you believe. It's in categories like, do you know what biblical theology is? Do do you know what systematic theology is? Have you ever studied a book this big called Systematic Theology? Can can I just tell you, this used to be for the people who are going to preach next week. 
If you don't get some help in the systematic theology category, you are going to get sucked into a hole in the information age. I'm warning you. If you don't understand why you believe and why this doctrine over here, if you change it, alter it, replace it, it's going to pull on this doctrine over here. But you didn't even know those two doctrines were connected, did you? So when the enemy comes along and deceives and every wind of doctrine blows on us, he can blow right here. Because he most, most Christians don't realize this is attached to that. How would you have learned that? Systematic theology. The system of truth in the word of God. Well, we need to teach in that area. Foundations. We're going to offer a foundations class in May. And I, and I hope none of us here are thinking, well, I don't, I don't, I don't need the foundations. You'd be surprised. And here's what you might be surprised, because you know you, you tend to absorb foundational material, a little piece here, a little piece there, a little piece there. It was in a message. I read a book. No, no, no. It's another thing to sit down in one class and say, hey, can we work through the foundations? This one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. And you just pull them all together, and you get a different sense of understanding that. All right, so that's what's coming in May. In the summer, we're going to do another thing related to dinner and discipleship, because it, it, it's going to seek to equip all of us to do what that little phrase says, speaking the truth in love. It's going to equip us to relate to one another in redemptive ways, in transformative, helpful, encouraging, strengthening ways with one another. So that'll be in the summer. All right, I'm probably out of time. Yes, I'm way too long. All right. So what are we doing around here? We're growing, right? We're growing together for the glory of God. All right, so nuts and bolts time. How many we take a f- uh, three, four minute at most break? Uh, if some of you guys are here or you're just guests and you're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in the other portion of the meeting, this would be your time to slip out <laughs> and be unnoticed by doing that. Uh, if you are a member of the church, means you've gone through the membership process, you've sat through the class, uh, then there is, there's a financial page available for you. If you haven't picked that up, I think you go out into the uh, lobby area. I think by the greeting station out there, I don't see anything in here and, and it'll have your name on it. So you'll, you'll get a, uh, something that looks like this. It'll have your name on it. If you're not a member, then you wouldn't be getting one of these. All right, three or four minutes and we're coming back.